watch me burn it down. The Cure with Amy Cabo. Life can bring many difficult situations, domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. Welcome, Amy Cabo and The Cure. Good afternoon and welcome to The Cure. I'm your host, Amy Cabo, joined by Boris. As in everything we do, we cannot help it. Hello. Our show is available live on the radio through our app called The Cure, or the, our website, GodIsTheCure.com. We are broadcasting live from Miami via satellite. Also on Facebook, search for God is a Cure, and please click on Send the Message button and send us a question or comment. We would love to hear from you. This show deals with suffering and the tenacity of the human spirit, the will to survive and the courage to keep moving forward despite any obstacle with the help of God and each other. We do provide testimonials to let people know that they're not alone. And in this show, the testimony started with me, having been a survivor from child abuse well into young adulthood. We also have professionals in the medical field and inspirational speakers that are willing to help and give valuable information. Because education is key, transparency is needed, and I do believe we can help each other. For me, my healing came from God, but other forms of healing are presented as well to service everyone. Life can be very challenging, but always know that we're not alone. In today's show, we will focus on finding our true potential and how important it is to be kind and understanding to others and yourself. Do one to others as you would have done unto you, said Jesus. Though it's much easier said than done, do we actually do it? Today I want to talk about how to live a better life and how to solve problems. And we have a special guest, entrepreneur, businessman, who reached the heights of the success simply by being kind to others. Now that song that just played, Power is Power, from the game of Virgin's Throne. Heavy is the crown, only for the weak, because God turns our weakness into victory, and the heavy is the journey. A knife in my heart couldn't slow me down, because power is power, my fire never goes out. Arise from my scars, nothing hurts me now, because power is power, watch me burn it down. Is this our mindset now? It wasn't always mine until I learned to truly prioritize God in my life. I learned to arise from my scars. I have a growing, burning desire to be pure, holy, tried, and true. Only God can slow me down. And with God, I feel like I can take on anything, for nothing hurts me now. And I didn't always think this way. It's an amazing transformation I didn't believe would ever be possible. Many of us have amazing potential, eager to be unleashed, if only we discover the vast potential of the human mind. Today's guest is Bill DeBarba. Bill DeBarba 
is an entrepreneur for 40 years, managed to grow successfully in his company, Businessware Services. Bill is also a public speaker with many years of experience. He learned how to recognize problems from others' point of view. He shares that knowledge in his book, The Process of Living. The book explains how to manage the concepts of acknowledging thoughts, understanding feelings, and taking actions. This helps, solves, this helps solving problems efficiently. Bill, thank you for being on the show. We are now live on The Cure. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Bill, you have a very interesting book and a very interesting take in life. Can you please explain to us what is the best way to solve a problem? Well, one of the problems that you mentioned it as you begin is uncovering and unearthing our true potential. In fact, Boris and I spoke about that earlier this week. And I want to share with you an experience I'm going through now that probably represents more of the need for un unleashing the true potential to a group of people that definitely need it. Let me give you a little background. I was approached by someone at our church a few months ago. She's involved with the Arizona Department of Corrections, and there is a program going on not only in Arizona but several states called Second Chance and it takes a select group of prisoners who are about to be released and help them to adjust to the world outside in many different ways wow. and hopefully reduce the recidivism, which is such a big problem of prisoners going out in the world and then just coming right back into prison. Bill, can you speak a little now, louder, please? Can you speak a little louder so I can hear you better? How's this? Is that better? Yes, much better, thanks. Okay, good. Um, so anyway... She approached me and said, hey, the prisoners would like to learn a little about meditation, which is a big part of the, of the church that I go to. And I said, I'd be happy to help out. There were about four or five of us. Then went out for an orientation. We met the corrections officers. We met some of the prisoners. And they explained the program. And they handed me a, uh, a book, an outline of what they teach. And it involved thoughts, feelings, and behavior which is another word for action, which is exactly the outline of my book. Nice. I told them I would accuse them of plagiarism, except that my book hadn't been published yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about it further, and they came up with the idea of me making a presentation to each graduating class, if you will, to help out and reinforce what they're teaching. Now, someone told me my first speaking engagement on... The, the process of living was going to be to a group of female prisoners, I would have said, I don't know what drugs you're taking, but they must be pretty powerful. As it turns out, that's how it began. And I put together this program. I was very nervous the first time. I really wasn't sure what to expect. Although I did tell my wife, at least I know for sure I have, an, I have a totally captive audience. Nice. <laughs> so I went out there and I made the presentation. I cannot tell you how grateful these prisoners were to have someone from the outside care about them enough to help them recognize what they really can accomplish. Because in the environment they're in, they don't get a lot of that. 
Wow. This was very exciting for me. And I've been doing it now for about four months, and it has been a truly rewarding experience. I would have to say I'm getting as much, if not more, out of it than the people I'm speaking to. So you're instrumental in prison reform. I'm hoping to be. I see, and that is super important because everybody deserves a second chance. I agree. And what was your concept? Kindness, correct? Because I know that we've spoken about kindness on this show before, and I think it's most important to be kind when it's difficult, when it's not expected. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I will. In fact, I can tell you that I was inspired by the corrections officers who were in charge of this particular program. When we went through the orientation, one of the corrections officers continued to refer to his clients. And at first I'm thinking, what is he talking about? What clients is he talking about? He was talking about the prisoners. His people. He looked at them as his, the people that he took care of his customers, if you will, the ones to whom he wanted to give a service. Now, this is not an attitude or an approach that I would have expected in a prison. But these corrections officers who were doing this work were inspiring to me. I was very impressed. And I wanted to help out in any way that I could that would be appropriate. And that's what began this particular thing. So to answer your question about feelings, I was inspired by the feelings of the corrections officers that introduced me to this program. It says a lot about them that most of us don't know about correction officers. Yes. Unfortunately, we were influenced by what we see on TV, and that's not the true way it goes. Sometimes it's just a matter of showing a little love when it's least expected, being kind when you don't find common grounds. This is true. Stepping, you know, it's it's so refreshing to people when they feel that they're loved and they're acknowledged when they're supposed to be the lowest of society, that they're considered just as precious. That's so very important. And, you know, another area, and I know you know this, the area, one of the areas that influences our feeling about ourselves is our environment. The people we are around, the way we are treated, the places that we have to stay, all influence how we feel about ourselves. And that's not easy to overcome. Exactly. You're right. I'm Amy Cabo, and this is The Cure. We will continue talking to Bill DeBarba after this short break. Please stay with us. Now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back to the show. For those that are tuning in, I'm Amy Cabo and this is The Cure. We're live on your radio. 
also on Facebook. Later, the show will be a podcast. Just search for The Cure on any podcast channel or download our app, The Cure. We're talking to Bill about reaching our greatest potential. That was On My Way by Sabrina Carpenter and Faruko. Nobody but me can keep me safe is so true. We are our own best friend. At least we should be. Sometimes I'm hard on myself. Disappointed in myself. And Bill, I have to be honest. It's easier to be kind to those who appreciate it, who will love it, who will be waiting there for it. And, but thinking others, okay, I'm disappointed in myself, thinking others must be also, but when I see how content my little dogs are with me, they don't mind that I get upset. They look at me with kind eyes and they don't judge me. They love me anyway. I love that is how God is. He adores us anyway. And as such, he wants us to be kind to ourselves. It's actually pickpocket that wants us to feel bad, when instead we can turn it into a learning opportunity. God said, be courageous and of good cheer. Simply trust him and know that through him there is hope. And hope is the greatest antidepressant. Bill, we were talking about kindness. And sometimes kindness can be challenging and we can be difficult on ourselves. And I know that the environment can be influencing. But when, when it comes to being kind, should we first start with ourselves? I think that that's truly the only way you can. You said a moment ago, and it's very, very true, it's easy to be kind to people who you know will appreciate it, who will recognize it, and who will respond to it. But too often in life, we have to deal with the people who don't do that. And then we have a choice. Does, do we discontinue? Do we respond back the way we've been responded to? Because if we do, then we're giving up a very important part of ourselves. It's what most people do. And so we feel it's okay to respond in the same way. The problem is we do give up so much of ourselves. And it's real easy to blame. It's real easy to say, well, of course I'm acting this way. Look at how that person acted to me. And you feel what justified. What you're saying is, I'm sorry, go ahead. And then the person feels justified. Exactly. When in reality, you could have been proud of yourself instead. Exactly. You don't need to give up who you really are because of the way someone else reacts. Because but how do you know who you are? Control. What if you're like a bad person? <laughs> well, <laughs> what we're trying to say is well, that it's easier what? said than done. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. And what you're going to find out is a bad person, you're going to be yeah. drawing more and more of those yeah. kind of people into your you're life. Just gonna, you're just going to have to try harder. Yeah. <laughs> I find you know, it very it's, it's hard you know, sometimes to respond nice. I mean... My wife is constantly, you know, Trying helping me. <laughs> but sometimes it's, I don't know. Well, but we, I think I'm a kind person. It's just sometimes I'm rude. 
Honestly, we all need help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are challenges in long-term relationships, for example, marriages, because your moods will change, and then the other person's mood will be affected. Then there's a really difficult time when you're both in a bad mood at the same time. That doesn't work real well. <laughs> no, I think we're fine with my uh, wife, but against other people, sometimes I'm like, I don't know, sometimes I think that bosses needs to be strict, right? And then... Um, and then I make a mistake by being too hard on people. There's a fine line. But there is a fine line. You'll yes. find it. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, I'll keep praying. <laughs> 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 but Bill, tell well, me about your... You, you talk about a process in your work. What is that? I'm sorry. I couldn't hear what you said. Go ahead. You, try again. you use a process in your work. Tell us what that is. Well, the process is basically the combination of the three things that make up who we are. There are three parts of us that pretty much define us, our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. And how those interact will determine what we draw into our lives. Now, most people don't understand that. Most people don't understand that their thoughts and their feelings and actions, and I point most of this to the feelings. That's the strongest part of the three. Because that's what transmits through our subconscious, our soul, our spirit, however. That's what follows our instructions. If our feelings are anger, annoyed, what Boris was talking about a moment ago, if that's the feeling we're having at the moment, that's what we will draw in. Now, And that's what our children an will feel. Say again? And that's what our children will feel. It's transferred. That's what anyone, will feel, children especially, because anyone they're around so us. tight. Yes. Anyone around us will feel it. And we will know it because of how they are responding. So when you ask, what if I'm in a bad mood? Does that mean I'm a bad person? No, it doesn't. But if you're in a bad mood, you will draw into your life some of the same. And when you do, you, can, you have a choice. You can say, it's that other person, that's why I'm in a bad mood. Or you can recognize, I'm in a bad mood, that's why I'm drawing that in. Let me change it, because it's within my power. Right. And it depends. For some people, changing it could be putting on uh, inspirational music. It can, be, it, it, it can be anything. You could be talking to a friend, or, you know, just... I like to set up myself for happiness because I know I'm capable of maybe not feeling well. So the first thing I do every day is I make my bed. I don't leave the house unless everything's tidy and neat because I know I will be in a good mood returning to a clean house with good smelling candles. And that puts me in a good mood. And sometimes you can set yourself up. If you're disorganized and you're not... You, you set yourself up for being frustrated. If you organize yourself, if you live in cleanliness, then you set up yourself. I mean, there's ways that you can set up yourself for being in a better mood, I believe. But have you I, had I any notable personal experiences in achieving goals through the use of your process? I have. And I think, you know, you were talking about um, having a nice clean environment when you come home everything's organized that makes you feel good my trigger is accomplishment 
Yes. I'm retired now, but I'm working on my presentations. I'm working on the book. I've Since I last talked to you, I've added a whole other piece to it, so everything's been pushed back a little bit, but that's okay. It was important. And to me, my satisfaction and my feeling good is tied to what I accomplish. If I waste my day, if I spend my day on the Internet looking up the news, which will really can depress you, um, <laughs> if I... Depresses yeah, anybody. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't care what your particular orientation is. It's, you'll find plenty to depress you. Yes. And, you know, and there are other things that I can do. And at the end of the day, if I can look back, if I look back and say, I didn't really get anything done today or nothing of significance, that will put me in a bad mood. And fortunately, my wife well, I so agree with you, Bill, because if I do all my chores and I go to work and I do that, then I feel accomplished. <laughs> yes. yes, and that puts you in a better mood. Yes. It's awesome. We'll be right back. We have been talking to Bill about sovereign problems. Please, please call if you have any positive experiences solving issues in your life. Things dissipate. You're making me feel maybe I am somebody. I can deal with the bad nights when I'm with my baby. Yeah. Cause I don't care as long as you just hold me near. You can take me anywhere. You're making me feel like I'm loved by somebody. I can deal with the bad nights when I'm with my baby. Now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back and thanks for joining us. I'm Amy Cabo and this is The Cure. That was I Don't Care by Justin Bieber. And I love listening to that song because when I'm with God, all the bad things disappear. He makes me feel like I'm somebody. I can deal with all the bad nights and he can take me anywhere as long as he holds me near. I feel like I'm loved because without God, I'm nobody. We are continuing our conversation with Bill about solving life's circumstances simply by using kindness. Bill, all this sounds good and it sounds hopeful, but there still is a stigma that says only those of sound minds can be successful. Do you believe that a person with a rough start, someone who has been abused, neglected, and betrayed most of their lives, an ex-convict, a homeless person, someone who's chronically ill from a physical condition, PTSD, or depression, and cannot make it to work every day, an alcoholic, or a recovering addict, or someone with a prescription now that marijuana is legal in many states, let's say someone that smokes every day, can they still be successful? Because I can relate to all these things, yet I believe I'm successful. I do like to feel accomplished. And Bill, for you, accomplishment is success. But it really depends on your definition of success. Success to me isn't the highest education, the fancy cars, power, fame, a big home or lost some money. It's the fact that all three of my kids and my husband love me. 
It's the fact that there is love and harmony, both at work and in my home. It's the fact that I have found peace within myself and with all others. Because even the richest person in the world that has it all can still be very lonely. So Bill, how can we encourage those of us who feel success isn't within our reach, such as the person, people you work with? I hear some of your family back there. Yes. <laughs> I think the answer to your question is that is a much higher mountain to climb for someone like that. The start for someone who has been in the situation that you've been in is, as you know, to recognize that there is possibility, to recognize that it can happen, even if you don't know exactly how it's going to at least you know it's possible. You were able to recover based on that, from what you've said. Your belief in God, your belief in the guidance that you would have, is what brought you to where you are now from where you started. So you can answer the question better than I can because I did <laughs> not go through that. Well, you believe in the power of thought, which I transfer to belief, the, the belief that you have. Because what you believe is your reality. And for a long time, I was uh, believing the enemy. What he wanted to me, me to believe. That he wanted me to believe that I was broken. Or that I was not capable. Or that I couldn't succeed because of whatever situation. And God taught me that anything is possible with him. And it isn't so. And I learned, also I read, you know, the saints who battle Satan, that helped. And the way that the enemy, which I call pickpocket, because I don't hate anybody, and the devil's an ugly word, but pickpocket, he even tempted a saint so much that he depressed him that he didn't want to pray. And so all these negative thoughts that we get in our mind that we think, Oh, there must be something wrong with me. Why am I thinking this way? It's actually pickpocket insinuating those thoughts and you entertain them. Because you, on the other hand, can entertain the other thought. And I will give you a perfect example. Whenever I'm going to do something, my first thought, it's not usually the correct thing. It's usually something that I do without thinking. And it's usually not a smart thing. But if I give it a little bit of thought, I do the right thing. Why? Because first pickpocket comes in to give you a chance to do the right thing. If God was there in the beginning, there'd be no reason to do the right thing. So, but it took me a long time, Bill. It took me many, many years to realize it wasn't me the bad one. It wasn't my fault that the enemies behind it that pickpockets behind it and that because I have God on my side I'm able to fight that if it was me I'd feel helpless if it's pickpocket I have God on my side I can take anything on and furthermore once I grew in a relationship with God I learned to think and see things for what they really were 
not for what pickpocket wanting to, wanted me to think. I learned to look at the beauty of life, to sh appreciate things, to be grateful, and to love unconditionally. And that included myself. But that required a relationship with God. Everything else, whether it be meditation or exercise or yoga, nothing else, not even medication or therapy, nothing else was enough. Do you practice meditation at all? I do a little bit in the morning when I pray, because I do pray every morning. I pray the rosary, and I do meditate a little bit when I do. That's good. I've often thought, and it's not my original thought, but I've heard it and it made sense to me, that prayer is speaking with God. Meditation is giving yourself a chance to listen on a feeling level and kind of quieting the mind for a little while and let the message come back to you at the heart. And I think that both are very important. You know, it's funny you should say that because I wanted to talk to you about that. You believe in the power of thought and how that it's related to the soul. And we have just a couple minutes, but how is it related to the soul, the power of thought? power of thought is related to the soul to the extent that it can influence our heart, our feeling. Scientists have proven that the heart has its own little brain cells. I, I recall, I believe, it's called sensory uh, neurites. And we can, our thoughts can influence that. If our thoughts are consistent, if we're not giving mixed messages every day or every few hours, in some cases every few minutes, then the heart is what actually talks to the soul, not the, not the thought. The thought influences the heart. The thought can help the heart get a direction, but it's the heart. So if you have a conflict between the way you feel and the way you think, your life will be directed more by the way you feel. And what's, what's preferred over the two? Oh, by far, the feelings. Are the feelings, okay. Your thoughts, yeah, your thoughts and your actions are primarily useful to you as they impact your feelings which means consistency. Because the feelings are going to get confused if you keep changing what you're thinking and what you're doing. If you're consistent, then the feelings can influence the heart, the heart-brain, if you will. And that is the element that goes to our soul. That is the element that goes, has the soul out there searching. And it will search for good or bad. Whatever your feelings are, that's what it'll do. Well, what comes first? Does, does thought influence feeling, or does influence, feeling influence thought? It can, it can happen both ways. Uh, generally, thoughts influence feelings, but feelings can influence thought, an instant feeling, something that happens surprisingly. Something as simple as someone cutting you off in traffic could create a feeling first and go to the thought. The two are in constant communication. So if you can manipulate, if you can manipulate your thought, can you manipulate your feeling? Absolutely. <laughs> you can manipulate your feelings based on your thought if your thoughts are consistent. The problem is with many people, they're in a good mood, then they're in a bad mood, or they're feeling angry and they're feeling happy. And we're not saying you have to be in one all the time, but there needs to be an overall consistency. 
And the consistency can be either one. It could be good feelings or bad feelings. But it's the heart working with the soul that's going to draw into your life the things that support your feelings. In fact, that's how you know what your feelings are doing. And, and I know it's and I know it's possible for a fact because I've been successful sometimes. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. How did you turn from the terrible life you were in? What was the first step? Was it a feeling? Was it a thought? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> okay. We have heartbreaks in this. So. When we're back, we will continue talking with, with Bill about thoughts and feelings. I'm Amy Cabo, and this is The Cure. We will be right back with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Life can bring many difficult situations. Domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. The issue is not stay there, but to overcome all obstacles and show that with the love of God, your husband, and your family, you can succeed. Love is the answer, God is the cure, reveals Amy Cabo's life. A warrior who didn't give up and achieved the dream of her life. You can get to know more about her and her story on GodIsTheCure.com or buying her book on Amazon.com. This is my roaring, roaring twenties. I don't even roll me like a blunt, cause I wanna go home. Roll me like a blunt, cause I wanna go home. My roaring, roaring twenties. I don't even roll me, roll me like a blunt, cause I wanna go home. Roll me like a blunt, cause I want, I wanna go home. And now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. We're back, and thanks for joining us. I'm Amy Cabo, and this is The Cure. We're live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern on your radio, the app The Cure, or social media. We're also available as a podcast. That was The Roaring Twenties by Panic at the Disco. It's an amazing song that beautifully portrays the realities of today's world. So real, raw, but exciting, because everyone has a chance and we can eventually find our way back home. We are joined by Bill DeBarba, talking about his experiences in managing life and accomplishing successful business, as well as dealing with people and ourselves. And Bill, you last asked me what came first, thoughts or feelings. I can tell you, I don't think I was born feeling bad. <laughs> uh, I. I I think my thoughts had developed when I was a kid. I had a warped idea of the concept of reality. And I the thoughts is what eventually took me to a different place. And I tell you, I didn't suffer much as a kid. I didn't know any different. I really did have a warped idea of reality. But that continued until my young adulthood, and for many years thereafter. I had to change my thinking to change how I felt. So it didn't happen with therapy, it didn't happen with medicine, 
It happened with lots of prayer. I got smarter. I saw things clearer. I, it's incredible. My thinking changed. And then my feelings changed. And not that things are perfect. I mean, sometimes there could be a time that I feel bad. And that's okay. But I, I see it differently. I know that it will pass. And I know that God will help me handle it. So, that thought process, viewing it in a different light, not seeing suffering as a bad thing, but as a necessary thing, as just part of life, and maybe as a blessing. It's all the way that you look at things that can influence the way you feel. And that's my best answer for you, Bill. Well, what came first uh, for you? <laughs> for me, it was also thought. In our society, in Western, uh, in our Western society, we put much value in thought. We're raised that way. So for us, it would be more likely, far more likely, to start with the thought. In other cultures, not necessarily so much. But the key is, you had the thought under circumstances that would not support those thoughts. You made the effort to take the thought and work with it and had it convert your feelings, which converted your life. I mean, think about it. If you had been born to a nice middle class or upper middle class family that was very supportive of you, and you went to school and you had an education and you had a very nice life, would you be doing the wonderful service you are right now by broadcasting these concepts over the radio? I would I, question that that would have happened. Well, I, I tell everybody, I tell them, had I not been through all these things, having two parents for doctors, I would have probably been a big brat. <laughs> I tell everybody that. I, I know for a fact I would have been a big brat. <laughs> so I'm glad that I went through homelessness and poverty and everything that I went through because it just means that it makes me that much more understanding. It's hard to understand something that you haven't been through yourself. So I like the idea that I can help people. And that's a beautiful thing about having a relationship with God is that it encourages to do good things that you're proud of yourself for. Like cleaning and being helpful and helping others. I don't feel good unless I feel like I've been helpful. I guess I'm getting symptoms of an old lady already. But <laughs> No, actually that's a wonderful feeling at any age <laughs> is to be helpful. <laughs> But, I mean, I think you may have been a brat. I don't know that you would have been a brat. But you would have <laughs> led a different life, and I don't know that your life would have contributed as much to others as the life that you're living right now. I, d I do believe it's true. I think what I, I try to focus on the most is not to be perfect. I don't think God expects that of us. I think he just wants to see us trying that we try to do better today than we do than we did yesterday. Every time you meet someone, every time you run into someone, whether it's going to the ghastly st station to have lunch, it's an opportunity to be kind. It's an opportunity to bring a smile to that person's face. What really is important in life? Is it having a great job and seeming like you're intelligent or making somebody feel nice? or being the reason somebody has a nice memory, or making someone feel like they're not alone, or that they're loved. 
What's better in life than that? That is a wonderful goal. And you know, people get confused about goals. They think that if I want to get a new car, that the, that getting the new car is means I was successful. Oh, really, keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> yeah. There is a feeling involved in accomplishing something. And the feeling is the real goal. And it very well may not be getting a new car. It may be doing something of real value and significance to other people that would give you the feeling that really is the goal. And isn't it so that if you set your heart on materialistic things, it will never be enough? Because there's always something more that comes out or something better than that somebody else has or are you just as good because you don't have the same? And if you throw everything of that out the window and you focus on what kind of person am I to others, then that's where the real that, that then it's always enough because it's you, you for the last and you all, the you last could always grow. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was going to say for the last uh, at least fifteen or twenty years, my desire for things keeps dropping. And my desire for wonderful experiences, to being around people like you, to getting inspiration from what others have accomplished, and not to compare myself and to say, well, I'm not good enough because I'm not as good as that person, but to just inspire me to move up in my world a little bit better. That has overcome, for me, the desire for things. And I'm feeling much better. You know, and Bill, it's people like you that keep hope in the world alive. Because like you said, the news is very depressing. It's very few times do they show the happy s stories. And so what do we know? And sometimes we go out in the real world and we get disappointed sometimes. So it's so refreshing when you hear about people that are actually caring about the prisoners. Because those are the forgotten people, the homeless people. The drug addicts. It's it's people like you that make a difference in the world. Thank you. I Thank appreciate that very much. <laughs> and we're almost finishing the show today. We only have a few minutes left. So, thank you, Bill, for being with us. And thank you to our very talented audio producer, Jasper. I appreciate him as well. Without that, we don't have any of this. And thank you to me, right? Yes. <laughs> Bill, but tell us, when, are, when is your book going to be available? Is it available? Well, last time we were on, I told you it would be available in uh, September. But like I said, I came across something, and it's too long to talk about now, but it, I felt it was important enough to delay. Okay. to put that in, to have it edited, to go back through, and to restart the process. Um, the book should be out in November, and I am uh, knocking on wood right now as we speak. Nice. And what um, is the name of the book I, The book is The Process of Living. Right, right. Nice. The Process of Living. Very good. Yes. So people can pre-order it probably in Amazon. You will be able to. I've got the site set up right now. It says it's unavailable, but it will be. That's all set up. The website is just about complete. I should have that in place in the next week. And it's theprocessofliving.com. And, uh, you know, there'll be a place there for people to, if they wish, 
to have me come along and give speaking or in any other way right. help out, okay. that's the, the place you, to go to do that for that. Either way, more information on Bill DeBarba, go to God is Secure and look under guests. Now for our daily word from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. I have grown. I took a moment to reflect and realized, wow, I have grown. Things that used to bother me no longer have my attention. My faith in God has elevated another notch. I'm seeing things that seemed out of my reach right in my hands. The process has stretched me, molded me, shaped me into someone I had always dreamed of becoming. I am grateful, thankful, and blessed. Good day, everyone. Trusting the process totally. Let's pray. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. And two quotes from the Bible. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah 40.31 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Isaiah 41.10 This is Amy Cabo. You have been listening to The Cure. Please check our podcast, The Cure, or our app, The Cure. Thank you for being with us. And until next week, much love. Thank you for listening to The Cure with Amy Cabo. For more information or to get Amy's book, Love is the Answer, God is the Cure, or to listen to the podcasts of previous shows, visit GodIsTheCure.com.